6.59. Almost 7 o'clock. Wait for it. There it is, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Christmas Big Bang Tuesday. I like it. Laddie's got his little hat on. <laughs> we got the Fiesta Friday Christmas. This now show has more themes than any radio show should it's ever been broadcast. Sure. Yeah. It's too many themes. Yeah. yeah. One of the themes is your radio station doesn't work. <laughs> That's a recurring one. It's fun for everybody involved. I'm glad the little Santa hat bothers you, though. I'm really committed to this bit. It doesn't bother me. You keep mentioning it every yeah, time you Yeah, I know, but why... It. Is it me? Is it? Do I project certain things? Yes. Arrogance. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Is it because I just bring up the hat? Like I just mentioned it? You're the only one. You have three shows in a row now you've brought it up. It's a tiny hat. It's funny. (laughs) I don't know. If you had a big, gigantic hat. Funny hat. This this is a slightly bigger one than yesterday. Again, he- It's a big hat. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turd Ferguson. Spaghetti, yeah. <laughs> Remember? So that's a reverse. Mightier. That used to be a bit that we used to laugh at, but now people actually wear big hats. Yeah. <laughs> not ironically. Norm MacDonald was ahead of the curve. Not for humor. It's just, he's got a big hat. Kyle Lowry was wearing one the other day. One and, of those giant ones? Yeah. Please, no questions about my giant hat. <laughs> right. And it was, it was like, are we supposed to not mention the hat? Do we just stare at it? It's, so it's like big. when Will Ferrell came out on Conan with the bird on his shoulder and yeah. he, he didn't talk about it the entire show. Like, I'm happy to be your Conan, but please don't talk about my personal life. Uh, you pe- have a bird on your shoulder, though. The people want pictures of your little hat, so we'll do that later at the break. Anyway, we are in Hour 2 of the program. Uh, hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, visit them. 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, Jason here mentioned going to break that there's a hot new article up at sportsnet.ca about your Vancouver Canucks. A Q&A with the president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, courtesy of our good friend Ian McIntyre. And the first thing that you said, oh, times must be good because he's talking. JR's talking Jim again. Jim Rutherford is, is talking. Um, it, anyway, it's, it's it's worth your time to, to give it a read. Um you know, he he does ask about a few con- contracts. First of all, his, Jim Rutherford's contract. Um, and Jim Rutherford's contract, I believe, expires at the end of this season. And he said that he has communicated with Francesco on a regular basis. So they've had some conversations about it. Um, he didn't say whether or not those conversations have led to anything. But I imagine right now, everyone's pretty happy with the job that management is doing and it might be just a question of whether or not Jim Rutherford wants to continue to do the job and it sounds like he's still quite engaged um he was asked quite a bit about Andre Kuzmenko and we mentioned some of these comments earlier because iMac used them in a piece about Kuzmenko but this was a good question from iMac He said, your new coach appears to have established the accountability and standards you wanted. 
Do you worry that Tockett has been too honest at times with criticism of his team and individual players, including Andre Kuzmenko recently? And Rutherford said, Rick is consistent with his constructive criticism. He doesn't just pick a lower-end guy, for example. It's consistent with how he feels at the time, and I think that's fair to the players. He makes the players accountable. His expectations are high, and I really like the way he works. So, if you're asking whose side is management on is the, in this, despite the fact that management um, recruited Kuzmenko, and they weren't afraid to crow about that. Mm-hmm. And then they signed him to a two-year contract extension, and they weren't afraid to crow about that. It sounds like if you're asking like whose side they are on this, they're like, yeah, the coaching staff. We trust our coaching staff to, to give a message to the players and then to hold them accountable. Um, so we'll see how this Kuzmenko thing um, pans out. Um, Rutherford wouldn't commit to not trading Kuzmenko. He was asked if they want to stay patient with him, and he's like, I'm not going to commit to anything. So if there's a deal that comes in for Kuzmenko, and they can make that deal because Kuzmenko does have some um, trade control, he does have a limited no-trade list, then I think they're going to do it. Well, can I just say one thing? Like, But it has to make sense, and it's going to be tough. We all know how tough trades are to make in the NHL. Except for the Vancouver Canucks. Apparently it's quite easy because they make about 60% of them. But uh, here's the thing. I know it might be like the Canucks are off to this great start and there's so many great stories and why are you guys focused on the negative and why are you focused on this? It's not about the rift between the player and the coach entirely. That's a part of it. I think the other part of it is that this team that has playoff aspirations and has 18 wins through its first 28 games might be able to turn this Kuzmenko situation into not necessarily an improvement, but a tangible change to the active roster. Mm-hmm. You might be able to get a player that, and, and you referred to it yesterday, as more of a Rick Tockett type player. Yeah. But look, the one glaring inefficiency this team has when it comes to spending is there's a lot of money locked up in wingers, right? Now, Brock Besser's contract looks great right now because he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. almost tied for the lead. What an amazing contract. That one's great. Connor Garland, not so much. Actually, Kuzmenko has become the Besser, and Besser has become the Kuzmenko in a very weird sort of way. Mm. And now and you're Garland look- remains Garland. And Garland is still spinning. And Bovelli is gone. Spin- yeah, right. And they got rid of one. And Beauvillier was a cap dump. I think the interesting thing with Kuzmenko is because there's intrigue about that 39-goal campaign from a year ago, could you move him? Would you entertain a move to get a piece back that could help you in the immediacy? Because everyone right now wants to see this team win games and go to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've seen, and this is another layer to it, and actually Rutherford was asked about this in the IMAC piece, their talent identification and pro scouting prowess so far, I think it's been really good. DeSmith, that was a good pickup. Lafferty, that was a good pickup. I like the Zadorov pickup. So I think f- the fans should be intrigued by the possibility of them making more trades and doing more moves and who they're going to target and acquire. Uh, one of the other questions that IMAC asked, he said, were you trying to undersell your team when you said in September that everything had to go right for the Canucks to make the playoffs? Rutherford... Struck a cautious note on this. He said, we're only partway into the season. This is a marathon race, a season schedule. I'll say the same thing. Everything has to go right. But the biggest thing we've accomplished to this point is the coach has put a plan in place. The players have worked hard and bought into it. And now they've proven to themselves what they can do. Yes. Okay. A lot of people are going to be asking, 
Did he ask about the Pedersen contract? Of course he asked about the Pedersen contract. Come on. But the answers were very short. So I'll just read the transcript here. Uh, IMAC, is Elias Pedersen's price going up by the month? Rutherford, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, IMAC said, Elliot Friedman reported that your GM sat down with Pedersen during a recent road trip just to check in. Has there been any progress? Rutherford, I feel positive about the situation. That's about all I can say at this point. IMAC, so you think Pedersen wants to stay with the Canucks? Rutherford, we have not had any indication otherwise. So no news really Didn't to get a lot out of him there, which is understandable. The Pedersen situation. Yeah. Um, so go read the piece for yourself. I thought his answer on their process for acquiring players was interesting. And I'm asked who deserves the credit for, uh, he called them home runs on DeSmith and Lafferty. And Rutherford said, it's a process. We want the pro scouts to identify players. And Patrick and I are identifying players on a daily basis. And when those players are identified, it gets run through analytics. And then we go to the pro scouting reports. And then, of course, a big part is, what do they make? How do they fit into the cap? So go read the piece. I did a lot of work on this in that he actually got an interview with Jim Rutherford. Um, and I'm sure we'll be discussing uh, it on the station the entire Day. Uh, we're also going to be discussing the Canucks game coming up tonight with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, again, they didn't practice yesterday. The so Canucks didn't practice. The Canucks didn't practice yesterday. They had yet another day off. But Rick Tockett <laughs> had said after they got up the day off after the New Jersey game that he thinks that day off helped them win the Minnesota game. So, you know, the Canucks have tonight's game against Tampa. Thursday's game against Florida, obviously two very good teams. And I'll be curious to see which goalies, uh, or if it's just going to be Thatcher Demko getting the start in both of those. Because the Canucks then, after these two games, have a four games in six nights road trip, which is tough for any team. Yep. And, you know, finishing off the homestand, taking advantage of, I mean, taking advantage, but it's it's a... Tampa Bay team that's midway through a Western road swing and then kind of setting themselves up for what is going to be essentially playing every second night and trying to keep the good vibes going here. Two wins in a row is two wins in a row. It's not something to stand up and applaud. But at the same time, uh, it did snap a streak of where they were alternating wins and losses for, what, the better part of 13 games, I think. And it was trying to bank some points, trying to get some points um, against some teams where it's winnable, right? Like that game against Carolina on Saturday, which was their second consecutive win, you look on paper and you're like, that's a tough matchup. Carolina's been a perennial contender in the East. But Carolina also came in struggling. Like mm-hmm. They weren't getting any saves from either netminder. They had the lowest save percentage in the NHL. And they were on a three-game losing streak. So the ability to kind of take care of business here, I think will be interesting for the Canucks. Because again, tonight's another example of that. Like you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning and you think about one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League. You think about Nikita Kucherov tearing apart the league, leading scorers, close to two points per game average. But they're not quite right this season. No, they haven't been. And a lot of it has to do with the gradual whittling away of their roster. The goaltending was a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky was out for the first two months of the season. And they're fifth in their division right now. If you look at the standings, they're kind of like a, a, around a 500, a little bit above NHL 500 hockey team. But they're a team that 
um, has got blown out on a number of occasions. Uh, the you know the save percentage isn't great. Vasilevsky, I think, got rushed back because I think they realized that they could only go a certain length with Jonas Johansson and that. And then did Matt Tompkins actually ever play? He got into three games. Yeah, so one one. He was a like you know breaking glass in case of emergency backups. There's some interesting teams out of the playoff race right now in the East. Oh yeah. Tampa Bay is one of them. Tampa Bay is one of them. Uh, the Washington Capitals have been a surprise team, and so have the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, I don't know if the Caps are going to stick around in that position, but they got off to a really unexpectedly good start, and then it looked like they were falling back to earth, but they've since won two in a row, and they've got the second wild card spot right now. They've got 31 points, the same as Tampa Bay, but Washington has four games in hand on the Lightning. Below Tampa Bay are the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes, and then all the way near the bottom of the standings in the Eastern Conference are the Pittsburgh Penguins, who just cannot find a way to score on the power play. But don't worry, because Mike Sullivan got a vote of confidence from the general manager. So everything's going to be fine. I think that was a legit vote of confidence, though. <laughs> Come on, man. I do. I, you can't, I vote, don't think he's going to fire Mike Sullivan. The vote I of confidence. I he's going to fire Mike Sullivan. The vote of confidence is always a bad thing, universally. Anytime someone says you're mm-hmm. doing a good job and your job is safe, you should start looking for a new job. That is it. That is. I it. think it's different. Did you actually read what Kyle Dubas had to say? Death. Yeah, yeah, I read it. He's a hundred percent the guy for us. They're working on new ways to get us out of this. So, do you think Sullivan? So, do you think if if the if the Penguins don't turn this around in the next fifteen games, do you think he's going to get fired? Yes. Okay. All right. You might have to give I me mean, more than they, you might have to give me more than fifteen. But why? I, that's halfway through the season. That's halfway through the season. Fifteen games. That's forty-one. You think Sullivan's getting fired? If they haven't turned it around, I'm 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 waiting for the hot take horn. Sully is Sully's gone. Okay. I, 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 All right. No, 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 I, I no. You're locked in. You're locked in. You're locked in on your hot take. Uh, uh, Sully's 15, gone. Fifteen games. No, you're first, no, folks. No, I want. Locked. Go away. Damn it. Stupid Sounders. Can't take it back now. <laughs> Fine. I'll take it. I was going to say, give me until the uh, trade deadline. I just think that the Penguins' problems are like almost 100% about the power play. If their power play was clicking, it's like at 9% with all that talent out there. Yeah. I five feel, on I five. Like, I feel like you could fire the coach for that, for not figuring out the power play. And Dubas was saying, like, he was like, listen, I... I know people don't want to hear just about like the power play needs to be better and they don't or they don't want to hear me crowing about our 5 on 5 play but like at 5 on 5 I've watched Penguins games like I I'm like this is a good team that cannot score on the power play it's it's really bizarre and I just don't know if you fire a coach uh, over that even though Sullivan is one of the guys whose responsibilities is the power play. I think Kyle Dubas legitimately has a ton of respect for Mike Sullivan, and I think he wants to work with him. You know who else had a ton of respect for his oh, head coach? Uh, you're already on the record that you think he's gone. He's probably Halford, you said earlier that you think he's going to be fired tomorrow. Ken Holland, re- Ken Holland really loved Jay Woodcroft, had a lot of respect for oh, him. Oh, yeah, that's the same thing. Jay Woodcroft and Mike Sullivan, very similar. They both accomplished the same amount in the NHL. They both had struggling NHL teams to begin mm-hmm. the year. Okay. Just no. throwing it out there. Yeah, same, totally same situation. I would put Sullivan. Someone said Lane Lambert ahead of him, I, but the 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 Isles are winning games now, so maybe not necessarily him. But there's, I wonder about Hackstall in Seattle. The he's fans. he has now entered the Dave Hackstall has entered the conversation in a big way. The the Kraken have lost eight in a row. Yeah, uh, they don't look anything close 
to what they were last year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, last year kind of looks like a shooting percentage slash PDO slash good vibes heater that everything went right for them. And they were able to parlay that into 100 points in the first wild card spot and a playoff win. Like, I don't want that's the thing. I don't really want to take away too much from last year because they were good in the playoffs. They went to game seven of the second round. Like, they, they put up a good fight. But this year, nothing has gone right for them. And they're here's the difference. Edmonton went in the tank, but you knew that they had the high-end talent to work their way out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that someone, like, who's the white knight writing in that's going to save Seattle? Jared McCann? Chris Dreger. Yeah, right? He's back, baby. (laughs) The Kraken Kraken are are done. They are finished. You don't even need the hot take. They are not making the playoffs. They are are one of the worst teams in the NHL right now, and they are not going to fight back. They are not going to put together. When we were talking about the Edmonton Oilers, we were like, they're going to need to win. They're going to need to go on one of these, like, win 10 games in a row streaks. And we were all like, we know they're perfectly capable of doing it. Look at the way they finished the regular season last year and went into the playoffs. They barely lost any of their, like, last 20 games. And lo and behold, they've won, what, seven in a row now? They now you're looking at it and going, yeah, you know what? I think they're going to manage to track down the Arizona Coyotes, who are three points ahead of the Oilers right now. The Coyotes currently in the second wild card spot, and the Oilers have two games in hand. Like I think they're going to manage to do that. What I'm curious about with the Edmonton Oilers, and I honestly think this is the question to ask: is where are they going to finish in the playoff race? Are they going to be able to attack, uh, you know, catch a team like Vancouver? Which, let's face it, did a lot of damage to the Edmonton Oilers early in the season. Or are they going to have to settle for a wild card spot? And then you're Vegas or maybe the LA Kings, and you're saying, wait a minute, or maybe Colorado. And you're like, wait a minute, we just had a great regular season. We finished first in our division. Uh-huh. And our reward is getting the Edmonton Oilers, who yeah. didn't decide to play for the first 20 games of the season and well, then turned it on. It's a good point to bring up because the I think the Pacific Division is the best division in hockey this year. I feel free it's to argue. It's so with, low. It's got it's got high but it's also got super low end teams. Like right, but San Jose is awful. That. Well, you can't ignore that because you have to look at the whole of the division. I know, but the if you're going to have uh the defending Stanley Cup champions who are off to another terrific start this year, 43 points, uh, tops in the Western Conference, right? So Vegas is a, regardless of the division. Listen, I I generally agree with you, but there are some bad teams in the division. Like, really bad, right? 100%. And I get that the the strong are feasting on the weak in that division, but look. Yeah, like the Canucks on the Oilers. Right. They just (laughs) took advantage of them. Like, we're going to beat the piss out of this team three times to start the year. But the point being is that, Edmonton getting back into a playoff spot is one thing. Edmonton trying to catch the top of the Pacific Division is entirely another. Edmonton, for all the great stuff that it's done, winning the seven-game winning streak, they're still 11 points back of Los Angeles and 12 back of mm-hmm. Vancouver. And forget trying to catch Vegas. They're 18 points back of Vegas. Like, that's not happening, right? So there will be damage done by that slow start to the season. And I do wonder if it's this scenario. But who's gonna, who's, who's, who's the damage going to be inflicted upon? Is it going to be the Edmonton Oilers or is it going to be some poor team that finishes first no, and that's then gets the saying. Oilers? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is Imagine it, if it's the Kings. Imagine the Kings win the division and um, they get the Oilers again, the team that's eliminated them two straight seasons. Well, I mean, right now it would be awesome. Awesome if the first round matchup was Vegas 
and Edmonton. Well, some people would push back on that, right? They'll be, be like, awesome. the NHL's playoff format is broken when you get these two teams playing against each other. I'm like, well, Edmonton shouldn't have got off to that bad start then. To have a rematch in the opening round with all the storylines of Edmonton like doing it Undertaker-style, rising from the dead, <laughs> and then coming back to get in. and well, Vegas would- or L.A. would be compelling. Yeah, I, I think Vegas... It's either the Kings for the third straight season, so you have the Oilers' possibility of doing that again to them. Yep. Or the Kings going, yeah, we adjusted our team to try and shut down a team like the Edmonton Oilers, and we're going to try and prove that. Or you get the rematch between the Oilers and the Vegas, and Vegas, and the Oilers said over and over in the offseason, in the preseason, like, we felt we should have beaten Vegas. We, sh- we felt like we left that series on the table. By the way, if you are looking for alternate viewings tonight, maybe something to watch in the intermission of the Canucks game, Canucks do take on the Tampa Bay Lightning at 7 o'clock tonight. Pre-post in the actual game, it's all right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are taking on and hosting uh, the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. So you've got a couple stories there. Obviously, Chicago uh, and Connor Bedard, the new cooler Connor, is uh, going to take on the older, more wise Connor. And, and Laddie is holding up his phone with an on-screen graphic. It's Connor versus Connor. That's the NHL promoting that for tonight. This is tailor-made for the NHL, right? Nice, easy graphic. You can't screw up the spelling. Both Connors have two N's in their names. Uh, also, Edmonton looking for their eighth consecutive victory tonight. So that's at 7 o'clock as well. Uh, so there's some some good viewing. There's a lot of good games tonight, actually, in the NHL. Uh, Chayton and Surrey texting in. One of the few guys texting in, not complaining about the stream, yeah. which we're working on, okay? Sort of. So if you're just joining the show and you're listening to the stream and you're going, that sounds choppy. Yes, we know, and we're trying to work on it. Our apologies. Chayton and Surrey text in, morning, guys. With Hedman in town and with him recently playing a 1,000 games, is he the best D-man to have played since Lidstrom? That's a really good question, and that's a really uh, tough question because I think individually on a season basis, there have been players that have played at a higher level that Hedmonton has Hedman has ever played at. Like Kale McCarr has played at a higher level, I believe, than Hedman ever has. Right? Mm, but he hasn't done it as long as Hedman. Yeah. That's a tough one. So the first name, it's a that, really tough one. The first name that jumped to mind in terms of what they've done over the course of their career since Lidstrom was done is Drew Doughty. Oh, for me, it's Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith's it, another one. Nicholas Lidstrom's. Uh, There's a lot of last Norris Trophy was in 2010, 11. Yeah, and Duncan Keith had some incredible playoff performances. There would be that. there would be three or four guys and three guys, okay. Hedman, Doughty, and Keith, I think, are in a class of their own. And I honestly I just think it's because they've won cups. Uh McCarr is in that conversation because he has a cup and he's got a con smite, but he sorry, he's, he's got, got a he's Norris. got a Norris, but he's yeah. got a shorter resume, which isn't his fault. He's younger. Yeah. Um Roman Yossi doesn't have the postseason success, although he did get to a Stanley Cup final. So he kind of falls short of that. I threw out the name Brent Burns. Same thing. Norris winner. Doesn't have the resume because he doesn't have the cup, unfortunately. It's not fair and it's not right. I would would take Hedman every time over Brent Burns. Every time. And I take Hedman over Eric Carlson, too. Would you take Hedman over uh, Drew Doughty? Drew Doughty at his peak would be tough. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd take him over Duncan Keith. 
Duncan and, Keith. And this has meant is no disrespect to Heaven because Heaven's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just get that out there for the haters that are like, I can't understand you because it's so choppy, but you guys are being haters. <laughs> Victor Hedman is awesome. Victor yeah. Hedman is a freak of nature. He's mm. 6'6". He built like a... At like the modern big NFL tight end. That's his size. Yeah, and he skates well for his yeah, size. Yeah, like he's awesome. Yeah. Awesome player. We're talking about the best players of the last 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. So you can't really... We're First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, not putting anybody down. We're just doing fantasy draft stuff. But um, I think I would maybe go with Duncan Keith because I watched Duncan Keith firsthand kind of win a Stanley Cup against the Lightning and Victor Hedman all on his own. He had no help on defense in certain games. Quenville would just look at him. He's like, are you good to go again? Because we need crazy. you back out there. And he's like, yep, I'm good to go. I will play 37 minutes tonight in mm-hmm. like game six of the Stanley Cup final. He was unreal. Well, Ryan Kessler had that famous quote in the Ducks-Blackhawks series, which was one of the best series we've seen in a long, long time. Yep. And it was nobody can withstand the amount of punishment because it's not only the, the amount of minutes that he was playing, but the Ducks were teeing off on Duncan Keith yeah. whenever they could. And Keith is a is a he was when he was in the NHL. You might not have liked him as a Canucks fan because he was and he could be kind of miserable. Let's face it, but he was a fitness freak. Mm. And I think he should have had two Consmite trophies. There was one that was awarded to Jonathan Taves, and I thought I can't remember the year, but I guess it was probably 2010. But I thought. Uh, I thought I thought he should have had two. We missed a big one, literally, in the conversation about best defenseman since Lidstrom, Zdeno Shara. Uh, and he's in that mix. He's hundred yeah. percent in that mix. Yeah, I just kind of felt like his. Well, God, it's, it's no, a, yeah, he's, in just, that, he's in. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously, he's he's in there. I'm just yeah. trying to do timelines. Like, when was he? When was he, well, he last won, an he, elite defenseman? Well, he won the cup post Lidstrom, right? 2011. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but Char was well, a big, big 2011, Lidstrom won the Norris. So right. is that post Lidstrom? I mean, I think Lidstrom's dominance ended with his last. Like, he played a couple more years, but that was his last. Well, 2011, sort of, like, he won calendar the Norris. Year, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd put Char in there um, only because he was such a unique player. Like, there, is there ever going to be, and not that there's going to be a lot of these other guys ever, but is there ever going to be another Chara? Mm-hmm. Maybe Tyler Myers. Stop. There's, there's going to be get some help. <laughs> there's going to be big, tall defensemen that are elite in the NHL for Both sure. The biggest and the tallest. That was the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> there were big, tall guys. Did he kind of pull the Chelios though, where he just hung on a little too long, like those last that few years? That shouldn't detract. Like, uh, I don't know. That shouldn't detract. I kind of, kind of hold those last Roder against them. Like, uh, like the St. Louis years? Yeah, like those, those kind of Laddie, Hofford bit. and I, uh, our opinions have changed on this since we've gotten older. Yeah, you gra- hold on for dear <laughs> life. Hold on for dear life. Play as long as you possibly can. It's great exercise. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, you get to hang around with the boys. Uh, everything, yeah. Everything's planned for you. Once you retire, then you're just like, what do I what do I do now? It's true. Right? Like Char, Peter Check, just take up another at, sport. Look at Chara. He, he's running marathons. He's doing triathlons. That sounds miserable. Makes yeah. me that sick. That sounds awful. <laughs> I was watching disgusting. A, I was watching a video yesterday. Sedin's running all the time. Oh, what are you running for him, guys? You Come don't on. have to do the ground's grind anymore. <laughs> I, know. I, was, I was watching a video yesterday, and there was a response to some TikToker, a younger woman who was asking, where do people in their 40s hang out? And it was a dad. And he's like, mostly in the car. He's like, I'm just in the car all the time now. I'm yeah. either waiting for someone to come in and out of the, mm-hmm. the grocery store or a kid's some sort of sports practice. But yeah, I'm just mostly... Do you ever just have a sit in the car? Yeah, he's like, sometimes I just hang out and eat there. I how, many pe- how, how many people just pull into the driveway and know what's waiting for them in the house and going, I'm just going to have a bit of a sit in here. 
With just, just, just the radios off. Put on little Spanish fleet. No, yeah. nothing. Oh, nothing. Okay, nothing. Just, just yep. dead silence. You Maybe the- you look at your phone a little bit. Maybe you close your eyes. Just gentle just, weeping. Just, yeah. yeah, just you well, know what? He puts on everybody. It hurts. can be emotionally <laughs> healing. Uh, Eric Erlinson is going to join us next. Talk about this Tampa Bay Lightning team that has had an inconsistent and a bit of a weird season. Uh, I'm curious to see which Tampa Bay Lightning team shows up tonight. So we'll talk about. Uh, the Lightning with Eric Erlinson, and then at 8 o'clock, we've got Brendan Batchelor to preview things from the Canucks side. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Browse, Sportsnet 650. A Dog, Laddie, the collective dog. How are we doing with our uh, audio and technical issues? It seems to be fixed. Seems to be fixed. Yes. Okay, perfect. That was Andy being funny. Laddie, how are we doing? Are we, are we yeah, good? I think we're, I think we're solid. Okay. Yeah, we seem to be fine. Nice. That's good. We control all, delete the system. Yeah. The people yeah. that want to listen to you for some reason yeah. now can. The okay. hamster jumped back on his wheel and we're back. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The hamster's fine. The hamster had a day off like the Canucks. Yeah. We bought a new one. They're, they're cheap. Yeah. They're actually cheaper not to. It's the hardest part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deep cut sentence. And, and they can never Bruff. thank me. Well, the pair scan. <laughs> It's one of the best lines. <laughs> Alfred and Brown in the Morning is brought to you by the, the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Eric Erlinson, lightninginsider.com, is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. It is the Canucks. It is the Lightning. Tonight, 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. Joining us now, longtime Lightning writer Eric Erlinson here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Eric. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, I want to start in net. We've been talking about the return of Andre Vasilevsky. He's been back since the end of November, so he's had a few games under his belt. But I'm curious because the save percentage and the goals against aren't great. How has Vasilevsky looked since returning to the lineup? And was there a case to be made that they maybe moved him back into the lineup a little early because of the goaltending situation that he had to take over from? Well, I, like, I don't think Jonas Johansson played bad. I know I know what the numbers look like, and, you know, if you just look at the numbers, you're like, ah, goaltending was an issue. Like, Johansson was pretty good. They, the number of chances that this team gave up with him and Nett were astoundingly large. Uh, so he had to face a ton of shots and a ton of, a ton of high-danger chances. So I don't think that there was a reason why they rushed Andre Vasilevsky back. I don't think they rushed him at all. I mean, it was the eight-week mark uh, from the surgery, and it was an eight- to ten-week recovery. So uh, in terms of Vasilevsky – you know, he hadn't played a game since April the 29th when they were eliminated by Toronto in game six and he missed all of training camp and he got no preseason games. So he's still trying to find, I think, that rhythm that he's used to. Um, I think the last couple of games he's found it a little bit. 
you know, he got pulled in Dallas a week and a half ago when he gave up six goals through two periods. And, you know, John Cooper doesn't normally pull Andre Vasilevsky from games, and he pulled him after the second period. Uh, and he wasn't very good in that game. And I think in a couple of games since, he should have had back-to-back shutouts against Dallas and Pittsburgh, a, a gasp by Vasilevsky behind his own net led to a goal for Pittsburgh in the final minute to ruin that shutout. Uh, but I, I think he's slowly starting to get to the rhythm and find, you know, all that the speed of the game and the feel for the puck and everything that goalies need. He's not where we're used to seeing him yet, but I think he's on that track. How do you explain the inconsistency in the Lightning's game? I'm looking at their schedule over the last month. You know, they've had some good wins, um, 8-2 over Carolina, 4 nothing over Dallas. They've also lost 8-1 to Dallas, and they've lost 4 nothing to Carolina and 5 nothing to St. Louis. Um, how do you explain how the season has gone? Well, you know, coming into the season, we kind of knew that the back end might be a question mark. I mean, once you get past Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergachev, there's some question marks. Eric Chernak obviously is there as well. Uh, but the overall depth on the back end, you look at it, it's, uh, it's not very strong, and uh, it's an area that if they're going to address, you know, once we get towards the trade deadline, assuming they're still in the playoff picture, that's an area that Julian Breezeball is probably going to have to look at. And, you know, and, and you look at the number of shots and everything else they give up, that's why the inconsistency is there. If they're not getting above average or great goaltending, sometimes they find themselves giving up four, five, six goals a game, and that's where the inconsistency has been. And there's a lot of roster turnover this year. It's, it's something unusual with this team. I think there's six new forwards on the team this year. Uh, you know, and Calvin DeHaan comes in on, on defense. And, you know, it's, it's, they should be at a situation now this deep in the season where they are finding consistency, but they haven't. Um, I'm glad you brought up the roster churn and turnover angle because it's something I did want to ask about. Like, I don't think that anyone's going to feel bad for Lightning fans. They got to watch two Stanley Cups. <laughs> and I don't think anyone's going to bemoan the state of the franchise. But it's worth noting that, uh, like Alex Kalorn, Andre Platt, Ryan McDonough, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow. That's a lot of good players that have either left by a free agency or trade in large part because, you know, you get punished for being a good team sometimes in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, is there ever a sense of frustration either from the fan base of the executive or Julian Brisebois that it's been so difficult to try and keep this thing together? I think from the fan base, for sure, you know, as, as, as fans, you fall in love with the players that help you win championships. And, you know, Yanni Gord will be a guy that's remembered forever down here. And, and you know, the, the role that he played in those two cup runs and uh, everything else. Um, I don't think Julian does, because if you look at the moves Julian has done to kind of get around the salary cap issues that the team has, I mean, bringing in, you know, a Brandon Hagel who turned into a 30 goal scorer last year when he was making $1.5 million dollars to get that kind of production for that value, bringing in a Nick Paul, you know, and then, you know, Matthew Joseph was a player they weren't even going to qualify and to bring in Nick Paul in exchange for him and sign him to a seven year deal. And, you know, the role that he plays. So I think, I think the team has done a, a, as well as you can expect to try and get around their, their cap issues to keep the team competitive with the core that they have. But I think the fans for sure, they look at it. Why are we losing this player? Why are we losing this player? Because you just, you just grow attached to the players that help you win. Is John Cooper Teflon in Tampa? Like, does does he ever get criticism for anything? I'm not saying he, he should. I mean, he's been a great coach, but he's the longest tenured coach in the NHL. His start date was yeah. March 25th, 2013. Like, that is a long time to be the head coach 
of an NHL team. And obviously the Lightning have had a lot of success under him. But we were just talking about Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh and wondering how much longer he has to go in Pittsburgh. Does John Cooper ever get like ripped in the media or do the fans ever get frustrated with him? Or is he mostly like untouchable there? Uh, it's kind of either or either you really want them and you love them or you think it's time for them to go because it's you're right 10 years as an NHL coach is forever if you look at the history of the NHL you know for coaches to be with this franchise or one franchise for as long as he has uh, but there are certain factions of the fan base that you know they show up in my Twitter timeline or whatever and say it's time to fire John Cooper and you know but if you look at the success that he's had and and even some of the stumbling that they've had this year it's not the first time they've gone through this, you know, 1920, they were kind of a 500 team by the middle of December, you know, and kind of figure out who they were and what they were going to be. And of course COVID hits, but they go on to win the Stanley cup championship that year. So uh, I, I think his track record and, and everything that he's proven certainly maybe gives him uh, a longer leash than maybe some other coaches in the same situation. Uh, but he, he is, I mean, he's earned that opportunity and you know, when the team struggles, I think he gets the chance to help the team work through it and get them back to what everybody thinks they can be this year. What do you think is going to happen with Steven Stamkos, the pending UFA, who does not want to be a pending UFA? <laughs> yeah, he made that very clear at training camp, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's, there's the part of me that says he's been such a loyal player and such a face of the franchise that it's hard to imagine him not playing here and, and being somewhere else, You know, even at the age of 33 or 34 that he's going to be at the end of this contract. You know, they just got word that the salary cap's going to go up a, a pretty decent amount that might help, you know, in terms of negotiations and kind of retain him. Uh, but, boy, the more you just kind of hear from, you know, people around the organization that they might let him walk. And, and that seems just strange to me to think that that's the possibility. But it, here we are. We're in December, and he's attending UFA for the second time in his career, and there hasn't been any talks, and there might not be any talks until the end of the year. So – is that just the organizational philosophy that sometimes you have to be ruthless? Did they, were there any contract talks at all with Stamkos? Maybe he threw out a number that the Lightning were like, well, there's no way we can do this for a guy that is almost, well, he's 33 right now. Yeah, the last I heard, there hadn't been any, any of those type of discussions. Um, I, you know, and that was leading up to training camp and then at the start of training camp. And then, you know, Julian came out and said that we'll discuss this at the end of the, the season because in Julian's words, he wants more information, certainly the salary cap and what that was going to be as part of that equation. But I think so too is Steven's production and stuff like that as they try and still navigate this salary cap situation they're in because Brandon Hagel's contract is going to kick in next year, you know, on top of the point contract and the Kucherov contract and Vasilevsky contract. Oh, by the way, Victor Hedman's up for contract after next season. So there's a lot of things that, you know, Julian's trying to play long-term here. And unfortunately that might be a situation where, you know, Steven kind of falls a victim of that. Is Hedman still the clear number one defenseman in Tampa? Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. How is Sergachev's um, you know, game then? I'm just wondering about the overall, overall blue yeah. line there. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, Sergachev's play this year, it makes you scratch your head sometimes just because of the decisions he makes with the puck and, you know, the turnovers that he creates. You know, he plays minutes like a number one. He actually had more uh, average ice time last year than Victor Hedman did. But I think this year it's kind of been reversed because Hedman's been back to being the the, Vezin, or the Norris tra- uh, caliber uh, defenseman that he is. And Sergeyev has kind of slipped back a little bit. So I think without a doubt that Victor Hedman is still the number one guy on this team. So uh, Nikita Kucherov, he's obviously done a lot in the league, right? He's won an Art Ross. He's won a Hart, Paris Stanley Cups. Yet this year, 
He's on pace to score more than he ever ha- ever has. 47 points in 28 games. Is this the best? I know it's crazy to say, given all that he's done and all that he's won, but is this the best hockey that Nikita Kucherov has ever played? Offensively, there's no question. I mean, the the pace that he's on, and you know, he leads the league in shots. Yeah. We've always kind of said, why doesn't Nikita Kucherov shoot the puck more? Maybe he finally listened to us because of <laughs> you know he does lead the league in shots. I mean, I asked him that question the other day, and he said he's trying to be Ovi because Ovi shoots the puck so much, right? And you know, and I, and I think that's led to his goal total. His goal total is up. You know, he has scored 40 in this league, but he's never approached 50. The pace he's on, he's gonna he's gonna be on that pace to to reach 50 goals, and I think it's because. Because with the way that he can pass the puck, when he shoots like he does, he becomes even more dangerous because so many times teams will play the pass and not the shot. And if he's shooting, that opens up the pass, and that makes him a more dangerous player. Is he the best power play player in the, in the NHL right now? It's always hard to argue against Connor McDavid. I know. Uh, I know the numbers haven't been good for McDavid this year. Uh, but uh, everything that the Lightning do on their power play runs through Nikita Kucherov, as, um, you know, the guy in the half wall there. And uh, he's such a wizard, and he's so deceptive in everything he does. Uh, it's a different type of game than Connor McDavid plays. Uh, he's, you know, I've said it before. When you watch Connor McDavid, you're wowed at what you see. Mm-hmm. When you watch Nikita Kucherov, you have to go back and watch on tape to understand how good of a play he just made. Um, and that's a, this, you know that's a difference in the type of their games, even though the point numbers and the offense and everything else is at those levels. But uh, yeah, Nikita, he's a wizard with the puck. We're speaking to Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. Check them out online. Uh, subscribe today. Eric, a couple things. Let's get some game notes before we let you go. Um, what's exactly going on with the active roster? Because Stamkos missed last game because he was sick. Hedman got hurt. They made a couple of call-ups today, including a defenseman, uh, Philippe Myers, I think, and then a forward, Mitchell Chaffee. So what's going on exactly? What can we yeah. expect lineup-wise tonight? Yeah, your your answer is as good as mine because I have right. no idea what it's going to look like. Um, you know, we thought Connor Sheary was close to returning, and uh, he, he actually practiced with the team on Saturday at the morning skate uh, in Seattle. Uh, it looks like he was placed on LTI today, so that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon, apparently. Um, you know, we don't know the status of Stamkos. Headman's a game-time decision. Usually a game-time decision with the Lightning means that a player will play, right. but we'll see how that goes uh, moving forward. Um, you know, so th- that's the best I can give you on the roster. Other than I'm pretty sure Andre Vasilevsky is going to be in that. Well, that was my other question before we let you go. I'm assuming that it's going to be Vasilevsky because uh, Johansson got the game on last Thursday in Nashville. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I think with Vasilevsky, they're going to want to get him as many games as they can because he has to play. He has to play to get that speed of the game and the read of the game and finding the puck, all those things that we discussed earlier, back to him being who he is. So he, he's going to get a bulk of the starts here, certainly you know, up to the all-star break. Eric, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Or enjoy the game tonight, sorry. Let's do this again later on in the season. Yeah, sounds good. Appreciate it, boys. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So last night, Halford and I both attended very uh, lovely was, dinner. It was a, a, a holiday dinner. We were able to catch up with uh, Vanny Sartini. Axel wasn't there. He had travel, so unfortunately uh, he wasn't able to join us. And and Vanny was not suspended from the dinner, so he was allowed to attend. But it was sure. nice to catch up with the Whitecaps and have some chats with them. And uh, we wish them well in the off season. But what we missed was a couple of NFL games that I think surprised a lot of people. Um, it was the Tommy DeVito and Will Levis show oh, last night. Uh, the Giants 
beating the Packers, which helps the Seahawks. I if know. You I still, got it in the notes. I'm like, if, great. It helps the Seahawks. If, yeah, I know, you've, I know you've given up on the Seahawks season, and I kind of have too. But it is interesting that uh, the Rams lost to the Ravens over the weekend. They, they made it close. They made it all the way to overtime. They should have won that game, by the way the Rams but they didn't so they fell to six and seven and so did the Seahawks and the Packers are now six and seven so the Packers are the seventh seed in the NFC so they would make the playoffs right now with a losing record there's a couple other teams at six and seven Atlanta and New Orleans and that means Tampa Bay also at six and seven because of tiebreakers, they and they're all in the same division. They're all in the same so, terrible division. So right now, they're the fourth seed. So you actually want to be the fifth seed right now in the NFC if you can't be the first seed, because even though you'd have to go on the road, you get to play a game against maybe a losing team. This is how mid the NFL is right now. Yes, I use mid. No, the NFC. No, no, no. This is how mid yeah, the NFL is. Yeah, okay. Two teams right now. In the NFC playoff, if the season ended today, mm-hmm. you would have two playoff teams with losing records. But in the AFC, you'd have a bunch of teams with winning records that would miss the playoffs. Yep. But this is, I mean, it's its embarrassing that that's the situation right now. Well, with seven playoff spots, I mean, it's just kind of the reality of I know, math, right? I know you're going to get some essentially 500 teams, even yeah. though you can't technically finish 500 in the NFL anymore. But uh, the Vikings... Are not good. Yeah, the Vikings got a three nothing win over the weekend over the Raiders, and they improved seven and six. Right, they were three. They were basically four points away from being another six and seven team in the playoffs. Like it's it's not good right now. The NFC is there's such a divide in the NFC between the haves and the have nots, right? And mm-hmm. by that I mean the Cowboys, the Lions. I guess the Lions, Cowboys, Lions, Forty ers and Eagles are good, and everything else in the NFC is trash. That's my take on it anyway. I'm hoping that the Seahawks can get a surprise win over the Eagles on Monday night. Why, uh, though? To, because what, to what end, Jason? To make the it, playoffs. You want them to make the playoffs? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I like, don't care at this it, point. It, honestly, if they if they get the seventh seed, they could get a matchup against Dallas, and I would at least give them a 5% chance of winning that game. If they go to San Francisco, if San Francisco doesn't get the first-round bye... And they've got it right now, by the way. San Francisco, 10-3. Yeah, and three. Yeah. They've got the tiebreaker over Dallas. Yep. Um, if they if they have to go to San Francisco, I'd prefer they just miss the playoffs because they've got no chance. My Dallas di- is different, though, because Dallas, you've always got that. like No, the, I know. The they, Cowboys pulling a Cowboys, right. right? Although they're deadly at home this year. They haven't lost at home. No, they're really good. They're really if good. you go to Dallas, you're, I mean. But the Seahawks play pretty well against them, right? Yeah, no, they, they kept they, it close. They put, right? up, they put up a good fight. It was a good fight. And it's just that Dallas has got that. They've got that pressure that just you know goes my crazy big, once the playoffs but start. You know what my biggest concern is right now is that the Seahawks defense can't stop anything. They're terrible. Like they got lit up by yeah, the yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. Um, so that's that would be my big concern is you go down to Dallas, you have this great offensive performance, and it all goes for not because you can't stop anyone. Because you can't tackle Reek Woolen. You can't tackle. He had a horse collar tackle on the weekend. You see, he didn't get called yeah, for it. Yeah. It's going <laughs> it back like, to the old illegal tackles. That's all I can do. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins losing to Tennessee. That was a game. So the that Dolph- was a game. So the Dolphins uh, now fall a full game behind Baltimore in the race for the top seed in the AFC. Yeah, the, the only that bummer, one that one hurts for them. The only bummer that was they had a big collective shrug afterwards. Like Tua Tungavailoa went to the podium. He's like, "This isn't the end of the world that we lost." Yeah. Well, um, it's not for but for if you missed what happened. The uh, Tennessee Titans were down 14 points 
with less than three minutes to go in that game. And the Tennessee Titans, I will remind you, are being quarterbacked by Will Levis right now. Okay, so here's a stat for you. Since 2016, there were 767 teams that went into a game down 14 points with three minutes left. 767 teams. Do you know how many of those went on to lose? 767. (laughs) The Tennessee Titans became the first team, so lucky 768, to win a game since 2016 while trailing by 14 points with less than three minutes to go. It was wild. It was like Miami had that game under control. You know, they got that win probability thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? It was at 99.9. 99.9. Yeah. No one loses those games. But kudos to Will Levis and Derrick Henry and to the Tennessee Titans winning a completely meaningless game for them. Uh, by the way, um, Will Levis has been pretty good for a guy that fell all the way to the second round. I'll tell you who's been really good at quarterback that no one saw coming. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Did you see his agent? Yes. Is it just Italian-American cosplay for these people now? <laughs> like, I get it. I think, get it's, I think it's awesome. They are leaning I in. They hilarious. are leaning in. But, like, there's a certain point where you're like, uh, what, what's this? It's anti-Italian discrimination. Yeah, like they're just <laughs> leaning into the caricatures of it, right? <laughs> it's like an Eastside Mario's commercial. Like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's happening. I'm not even uh, Italian, but that commercial offends me. You know, it's like, like, I'm like, really? But like, I mean, okay. So removing that part of it. But don't you think the Giants fans love it? Yes. It's a right? great story. Why not? They've I won mean, three straight games. Yeah. And the Giants have, you know, they were a disaster early in the season. So this is something fun that they've got. So I was listening to, I can't remember what interview it was. It was a guy that did a bunch of collegiate scouting. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Tommy DeVito wasn't even good in college. Right. Like, this is the most improbable thing that they've ever seen it's, at the quarterback position. It's awesome. They're like, he bounced around. We watched him play. We're like, eh. Yes, he can play all right. Like, he, he had no business quarterbacking in the NFL. Yeah. His agent was dressed like the guy that went down to assassinate Hyman Roth in Cuba. Yes. Like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> There's another good pull there, by the way. I can't, well, yeah, that's, that's what I'm what talking about. that from again? Uh, it was from The Muppets Adventure. <laughs> Uh, cool runnings. <laughs> no, really. No. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The Godfather. Oh, right, 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 right. famous movie. The movie insists on itself, so. Peyton, <laughs> little indie classic. I, the Manning cast made reference to The Godfather last night as well, if I'm not mistaken. There were there was something thrown in there anyway, but because they showed yeah. the guy on camera. Yeah. What's his name? God, I should have his name at the ready. I was going to say Scarface. It's the first thing I thought of. Okay, we're going to go to the next His agent's name is not Scarface. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us next before I get angry at A-Dog. We're going to talk about the Canucks game tonight against Tampa Bay. And maybe we'll talk to Batch a little bit about this interview that Jim Rutherford had with, or Ian McIntyre had with Jim Rutherford. You're listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hamster had a day off like the Canucks. Yeah. We bought a new one. They're they're cheap. Yeah. They're actually cheaper not to feed. This is the hardest part of the job. This is the part of the job I hate. <gasps> You're a veterinarian? That's right. And for an extra $20, I'll give Homer a tick bath and then spay him. Here you go, Doc. Bart!